Hello and welcome. My name is Andrea Carpenter. I'm the director of Women Talk Real Estate, and I'm delighted to be hosting this new podcast series from the Urban Land Institute. ULI brings together real estate and land use experts from around the world with the mission to shape the future of the built environment and to make transformative impact in communities. And this podcast will focus on that future and that transformative impact. ULI's European Young Leaders Group recently selected 10 outstanding contributors to the industry, hailing them as the new real estate vanguard. These are people in the early years of their career who have already dominated entrepreneurial flair or shaken up the corporate world. We'll use these podcasts to hear from each of them about their story, what brought them to real estate and how they are disrupting our industry. Today, I'm delighted to welcome Marianne Vallée, Marion works for the City of Paris, advising the mayor on issues such as urban planning, green spaces, architecture and heritage buildings. Her role puts her at the heart of one of the most innovative cities in the world when it comes to public sector leadership on sustainability, infrastructure and climate change. Marion, welcome and thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you. And congratulations on recently winning the ULI European Talent Award. Um, how does it feel to have that recognition from within ULI and your industry? Um, I was very honoured to, to receive this prize and also the fact that this prize was given to me while I'm working for a public sector. I think it's uh, interesting that ULI helps uh, this cooperation between private and, uh, and public sectors. Absolutely. And, it, and it's a connection that I think is becoming more important um, at this time. And you're obviously working in the city of Paris. It's a very transformative and pivotal time for the city from an urban perspective. I wonder if you can tell us how you feel about being positioned in that city at this time and what it's like to work there at the moment. Um, obviously, I'm very lucky to, to be able to work for Paris because um, it's uh, I mean, the reputation of Paris is uh, being the most beautiful city in the world. So I'm, I'm happy to, to take part in, in that adventure. And it's very interesting because um, our mayor, Anide has a very strong leadership on, uh, uh, on urban planning and a very strong urban vision. So it's exciting to be part, uh, part of that. And uh, it has been sometimes controversial but I'm, I'm really happy to work for someone who, who, is, uh, who has courage and who, who actually uh, implements what, uh, what she thinks. So it's, uh, it's exciting. Of course, it's also a, a challenge because everything is in Paris is very complicated uh, because of, uh, of uh, financial constraints, of patrimony. Everything we do is, uh, is looked very closely. But it's, uh, I think, also a good school to be precocious and to, to, to look at every detail. Yeah, maybe you could tell us about a couple of the ideas that are happening in Paris at the moment from an urban perspective. I know there's a lot of greening going on, a lot of urban farming, all very exciting. Yes, exactly. We are trying to, to change public space uh, in general so and, and the buildings, of course. So what we do is really changing streets by uh, simply transforming all the spaces that were before planned for cars and now dedicating those streets for people and for green spaces. So it really means we are changing the, the landscape, being on small or big, big streets or plazas, and, um, and we are trying to, to green every space that can be actually greened and also to uh, transform buildings so that they are 
uh, greener and also with less concrete and more biosource materials. And we are creating bike uh, lanes everywhere we can. And so bit by bit, the, the city is changing and actually the, the pandemic has uh, also accelerated it because uh, we had to, to implement uh, quick changes in the city so that people could move by bike um, uh, more, more easily and, uh, and also so that they could uh, have green spaces very close to their home. So it's a, it's a global change. Yeah, absolutely. And let's, we'll chat about the pandemic later. I wanted to ask you a little bit about your background, actually. Your career has so far been working in the public sector or um, academia. How, why this path towards real estate? Was it always the intention? Um, actually, I, I didn't plan before, but uh, I was... Um, in 2014, I joined the electoral campaign of uh, Anne Hidalgo, and uh, that's uh, where I discovered how it's uh, exciting to, to work at the level of Paris because it's a, it's a level where you can um, have a strong conceptual work and very also concrete uh, work and implement uh, uh, what, you, what you plan and what you think. So it's really a, a, a good level and I, I'm really happy to be in the public sector because uh, when, we, when we talk about uh, public space and urban planning, of course, it's, it's, it's good to be at the level of the city. So, and I'm, I'm also, I have always been interested in politics. So I think it's a, it's a good uh, environment. A yes. good mix. Yeah, certainly. And it feels like this is a city, though, that's really taking the urban environment seriously. So you talk about Anne Hidalgo having courageous leadership, but it must be courageous for you as well to to make changes so fundamentally to people's lives. Uh, yes, it's, it's uh, as I said, it's, it's not easy because uh, it's uh, there are a lot of constraints and it takes a lot of discussion and co cooperation also with the local districts and with the neighbors etc but um, but yes i think it's a really good uh, school and and you spent some time in asia as well um in your career do you, what did you learn from that experience in terms of how it may have shaped your approach to urban renewal Yes, I lived in uh, in Manila for a year in, uh, in the Philippines and uh, and also a bit in uh, Beijing in China. And uh, what I've learned from uh, from Manila, especially, is that uh, in urban planning we can sometimes uh, change things with not so much money. Because sometimes they are uh, more sober in their approach and their way of doing urban planning. So I think it's very interesting. Yeah. And you mentioned the pandemic that you had to pivot quite quickly to make people's lives a bit easier there in terms of getting across the cities on bikes and things like that. And I remember seeing lots of pictures of how the city had changed. And I wonder what the pandemic taught you about um, cities, really, and I suppose Paris in particular, what they've maybe been lacking. I think it, it changed maybe the, the relation between uh, people and where they live and, uh, and their neighbourhood, because uh, in France we had this... Uh, this uh, rule where we could not uh, go um, uh, more than one kilometer uh, across uh, across our house. So, so I think a lot of people rediscovered their neighborhood, and so they rediscovered also the importance of uh, proximity. And so we are working on how um, how all the Parisian people can access uh, essential services like 15 minutes from from them from their home. And of course. 
it was very essential also to access green spaces. And, uh, and I think people became more conscious of that. And of course, also because of sanitary reasons, people could not all use uh, public transport. And that's why it was very important to develop bike lanes uh, quite fast. And a lot of people have since that adopted bike and are, are not going back. So it was an interesting moment for that. And do you think the pandemic caused you to do things that you were going to do, but just at an accelerated speed? Or did it change what you thought you might do with the city around transport and green places? Um, I think the, the vision was already there, uh, but uh, it helped us accelerate, and especially in terms of bike lanes, and in terms also of terraces, because um, uh, the mayor decided to allow all restaurants and cafes to to create a terrace on the parking spaces. And that was also in our mind before, but it really helped us accelerate it and, and make it visible. Like in just a few days, uh, the, those spaces became visible and, and everybody realized that the parking space could be a lot more than a parking space. Yeah. And I wonder if it changed the relationship with the citizens to the city, you know, like you taking people's parking spaces away before the pandemic might, you know, might have caused more disruption than maybe doing it when we were in that period of learning to live locally and to travel differently. Yes, exactly. I think the Parisian people were quite uh, open to this, to those changes. And they, they, they also, they observed during the pandemic a city where there was less pollution and less noise. And so after the pandemic, they, they, they still want also this quality of life. So it's, it's interesting for that. Yeah. And you mentioned the 15 minute, minute city, this concept that we can get everything we need for daily life within a 15 minute city. So is that something that has come from the pandemic or something you were looking at prior to that? Um, this was part of the, the electoral program before the pandemics. So it was also a, a strong vision that the mayor had before, but the pandemic really reinforced the, the importance of that idea. And, uh, and now it's an idea that is uh, being developed by many other cities. And that is quite evident in a way, the fact that uh, you, you need to have all the necessary in your neighborhood, because if you have everything by 15 minutes, you can go there uh, walking or biking and not taking your car. So it's it's... Yeah, it's quite basic, but very important. It feeds into that environmental agenda as well. Yeah. And and there are, are there other ways that you see the city or other cities needing to evolve post-pandemic? I think all, all major cities are are facing the are facing similar challenges, such as really uh, changing the 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 streets so that they are not. Uh, planned around cars, and I think it will take some time because it's an entire system to be changed. And uh, and then also uh, uh, really adapting cities for children. I think that's very important. And uh, thinking at the level of a child, uh, so that all streets are really uh, welcoming and so that they feel safer. And I think if we are at the level of the child, then we can really be good planners. And I think. That's the same for, for, for all cities. And then, of course, uh, uh, creating more green spaces uh, at several levels, at the, at the level of buildings, at the level of courtyards, at the level of parks, etc. 
Okay. And the, obviously you've got more ambitious projects going on in Paris as well, the Grand Paris Express, and you're preparing to host the Olympics in 2024. How do those fit into kind of a vision, um, I suppose, in general for the city and how that will help the city? Yes, it's, it's, it's essential to have this uh, broader vision because, of course, Paris is quite a small city when compared to like London and Berlin. And so it's essential to have all the neighbor cities in mind, because if we want to, to, to do urban changes, it will be together. And, uh, and we really need to, to have those common projects. And the Olympics are great for that because uh, they will be inside Paris and outside Paris. And then the Grand Paris Express will change completely the mobility in the, in the region because it will allow people from one uh, suburb to another to go really faster and not to, to be obliged to, to cross Paris each time. And, and I think one other major project that we see Paris leading on is the greening of Paris. You know, I know as a city, it doesn't have as many, you know, it's quite low on its green areas. Why is this pivotal for Paris from both like an environmental and a social perspective? Um, it's important because Paris is a very dense city. But at the same time, when you have such a density, of course, you, you need uh, uh, green spaces and like uh, those green spaces, they, they have several uh, qualities. Uh, the one is, of course, uh, refreshing the city, which is very important uh, nowadays, and also creating spaces for children, for people to relax. And uh, yes, so, so that's really major. And so we try to find every space that you'll that it is still available to create those uh, green spaces. And I wonder if the other side to that is making it a um, less of a car city in a way. Is that something that you think will be on the agenda as well to reduce the car usage in Paris? Sure, and uh, it's really our two priorities. It's like planning cities for for people and not for cars and in uh, uh, greening the city. Yeah. And from a personal perspective, what do you, what expertise and leadership do you think you bring to the public sector? As you say, I think it's something that is often seen as lacking leadership, but it's clearly not the case in Paris. I think it's important to to be always in dialogue and in cooperation with the private sector, and uh, that's very important for me. Is also understanding the constraints uh, of the private sector and how it works, so that we can find like new ways of working together and of um, uh, having the, the private sector by our side also to contribute to our political objectives like uh, the private sector can really help us uh, creating green spaces, creating terraces and all that. And so I, I really try to, to always uh, be in touch and, uh, and understand their, their constraints. Mm. And, and obviously you said it's very political. Is it also about being a good negotiator, a good, you know, having thinking about compromise and different ways to do things within what is a very complex environment? Yeah, sure. I mean, that's part of, of the job is like understanding the, the interests of all the actors and, uh, and uh, yeah, their interests, their constraints, being at the district level, at the Parisian level, our neighbours and uh, that's very important. And in general, do you see um, city leadership changing around the world? Do you see it becoming more effective and does it have the right people? Yes, I think cities have, have become 
leaders and also when uh, compared to states, because at the city level, you can really see uh, rapid changes. And that's very important, especially in terms of, uh, of ecology. And, uh, and Paris uh, has been one of those places where people have seen the difference. Yeah, it's kind of almost like a new age for cities in a sense, isn't it? We've come through a period of national governments, but I see cities coming forward and being the leaders in climate change, for example. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's very important. And you said that import, that interaction with private companies was important. Um, how do you make that work? You will have a lot of real estate companies listening. Is that just is that about talking about being involved with their schemes and ideas from the very beginning? Yeah, I think uh, it's discussing the project from the beginning. You know, we try not to not to meet only at the end where the project has been uh, already decided by the private sector and uh, and that the public sector arrives at the end and just says yes or no. We try really to collaborate from the beginning of the project to have a, a strong dialogue so that we can say, okay, in that neighborhood, that's uh, what we need, that's what you could bring to the neighborhood. And in general, we find common interests between public and private sector so that the, so that the project is, of course, feasible for the private sector, but so that the project really brings something to the neighborhood and to Paris. And do you think those common aims are coming together now or do you think as a city it's still quite regulation led to make sure real estate companies are you know on the cutting edge of climate dealing with climate risks and environmental sustainability i think we have to, to find a good equilibrium between like uh, regulation and negotiation so uh, i think we we, we can we, we we have to keep a very strong control for example, on um, environmental issues and like percentage of social housing, uh, and uh, and we can have those strong rules and have also a good negotiation and cooperation. Yeah. And and sort of looking forward to what's going on in the city. What do you think is your next major challenge that you'll be working on that you're excited to be working on? I don't know. We have to see. <laughs> and. What about how your career will shape? You know, you're in this position at a, a younger age, let's say. Do you do you still see yourself staying in the public sector? Uh, yes, I think it's very interesting to be on the uh, on the public side when when you have a, um, a challenging and a courageous uh, political leader, and mm. that's the case now in Paris. So that's why it's exciting to be here now. So we obviously know Anne Hidalgo is from kind of, you know, the, the, the left in terms of politically. And I suppose there's always a question about how, you know, you deal with that kind of different, more socialist agenda with the co commercial realities of a real estate industry working within Paris. Um, I think it's not incompatible, you know, being, being from the left and having a good cooperation with the private sector. Um, because... Uh, uh, we we have strong political objectives and we need the private sector also, especially in terms of real estate, to help us implement those objectives. When we talk about creating social housing, uh, greening the streets, uh, it's not only uh, the public sector alone that can do that. So obviously, a good cooperation with the private sector is absolutely necessary. And that's why Anibago is doing it. And again, it's something that's on their agenda as well for the private sector to be involved with social housing and to put forward those kind of environmental initiatives. So do you find those agendas almost kind of marrying up a little bit more now? 
Yes, exactly. And we are really giving incentives to the private sector to, to follow this agenda. And, uh, and when we organize competitions, we really valorize uh, like the firms that are socially and environmentally committed. Obviously, we, we give incentives. Yeah. yeah. And do you think it might be interesting for a few years to go to the other side and see what it looks like from the private sector? You know, I, I think we we should really be open and uh, and, uh, and follow like inspiring people and inspiring projects without uh, without uh, an ideological. Not seeing that divide between public and private so much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And on looking at the private public partnerships, I wonder if you you've got a good example maybe of where you have innovated in that area just to kind of sort of talk about how that's working at the moment. Yes, so I have been working a lot on a, a project called Reinventing Paris, which was a, a competition we, we launched. The idea was uh, to, um, to transfer differently uh, uh, public land to the private sector because before we used to sell it to the highest bidder when there was a land to sell or to lend. And uh, with this competition, we decided to sell it to the best project. And that was a major change in terms of urban planning because all the developers were actually uh, uh, encouraged to, uh, to develop projects that were really uh, uh, very, um, very uh, innovative in terms of uh, social, environmental, uh, uh, engagements and uh, it was a big change for the for the real estate sector in Paris. So it looked at financial outcomes, but also social outcomes for the use exactly. of that land. Yeah, yeah. is that something you'll probably be doing more of in the future? Yes, now we are doing it every time uh, there is a competition on public land. Every time. Okay. And and what's the thing that's been most exciting for you to work on, particularly? Would you say? Um, actually, working on that competition was really exciting because uh, I, I had the chance to, to work on it from the beginning to the end, and so I, I worked uh, I worked on it yeah from really the idea, and now there are the first buildings which are actually uh, existing and being built, and that's really exciting. Okay, so it's exciting to walk in the streets and look at something that came from a, an innovative idea in that way. Absolutely, yeah. And what advice would you have for those coming into real estate or I guess real estate planning in particular? Um, I think now the sector is really changing and I, I have seen that in Paris because we are changing uh, the rules of the of like the the competitions we organize uh, among uh, developers and so for people who, who, who want now to become developers, I think it's very important for them to understand the political vision and to understand social and environmental issues, and maybe more than before. So I think it's it's quite exciting, and it, so it it's asked for for broader um, competences. Okay, and and also I guess you would get them to look at the public sector and look at that career because, as you say, it can be very exciting, particularly at city level. Sure, sure. And uh, I think, yeah, it's important to be open-minded regarding public or private structures and, uh, and just to, to go where there are inspiring things happening. Okay. And, and finally, I wonder if you could recommend something for our listeners, maybe a business book or a podcast or something similar that has inspired you um, in, in your kind of your sort of professional world, I guess. 
Um, I think, uh, it, so it's, I think like seven years ago, maybe that I read this book, but I, I really love uh, the book uh, Meaning by Sheryl Sandberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, this book really helped me as a young professional and as a woman, of course, uh, to be, uh, able to, like, to, to say what I want, to negotiate, to, uh, not to be afraid of, uh, yes, of just, uh, uh, telling my ideas and everything, and that's very important. So I really recommend this book to to everyone, men or women. Uh, yes, sounds fantastic. Uh, Marion, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a real pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. To find out more about the other episodes of this series, go to the Young Leaders page on the ULI Europe website. Thank you.